Hi, and welcome to Cask Heads, a podcast for whiskey, about whiskey. Today is going to be a slightly quicker episode, in theory. As we uh, announced last time, with uh, everything going on with the pandemic, we decided to release kind of half episode to the, for the situation. We're kind of wrapping up some of the topics we covered last time. I have two points, by the way, before we start anything. Firstly, you said full whiskey about whiskey, so thank you, because that is the correct phrasing. Secondly, I'd like it to be mentioned, we're in iced coffee season, and I am thriving from it. Thank you, as ever, for your valuable and relevant input. However, that is actually a typo. It is a podcast about whiskey for whiskey. Or is that a trick? Have you got no. it on I've lost track of which it's supposed to be. You, I think you... I'll tell you what, you've said it correctly today. Oh, no. You can continue with your spiel now that I've guessed the important things. Across the past two episodes, you may have heard uh, me mention Pete or Petey Whiskies. And I know we covered it a little bit. I just wanted to kind of fully go into that topic because it, it is quite a big aspect of whiskey, particularly in the past. And it has a real good following. And yeah, it is. It, it can be a love it or hate it kind of flavor. Traditionally, peat was used far more than it is today, with most distilleries relying on it as a fuel source for their process. What is peat? Well, I'm glad you asked, fellow co-host. You're welcome, I read it. And brother. Hello, co-host and human brother. <laughs> Great. Immediately I sound less human. Hello, I am human being. <laughs> okay, so what is peat? It's basically decomposed vegetal and plant matter that you dig out of the ground in these places called peat bogs. Uh, it's a really good kind of fuel source because uh, it's, it's effectively young coal. You may also notice if you're a gardening type that a lot of the compost will say peat-free. This is because peat is uh, its a natural resource, but it is also finite because of the time it takes to make peat as it forms from this decomposition. If you start digging large chunks out, you'll obviously be depleting that resource quicker than it can replenish. So, yeah, there are restrictions in place protecting peat. Um, the whiskey industry is aware of this. Um, and, and so, yeah, there is this kind of... Renewability and sustainability of the peat bogs that they are aware of. Uh, as we covered last time, during the malting process, you need to heat the barley to kill it off, and this may be done using uh, peat-fueled fires to impart those flavours. Now, with advanced technology uh, and more efficient ways of heating things, it's it's normally part of a separate part of the process. I mean, malting mainly isn't even done at distilleries anymore. A lot of it gets done at maltings, which are special places where they they malt the barley to specifications for the distilleries. There's a couple of notable examples that don't. Uh, one of the ones I always think of is Springbank. They're a great distillery. But I'm getting a bit side- sidetracked there. Most of the times, barley is this kind of thing that you ship in. And so, yeah, it's done specifications of the parts per million, which I'll get to in a moment. Any questions? I was thinking of if I had a friend called Pete, I would get them a T-shirt that said, I am protected, and I'd call that bathtub a Pete Bock. <laughs> 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 And that's really where I got stuck for a very long time. <laughs> Pete, man, you got to clear out that bathtub. Bog's really looking bad. <laughs> yeah. I think we've narrowed down why you don't have a friend named Pete. <laughs> the other important thing to kind of bear in mind with Pete is that um, where it's dug up will affect the kind of composition. Because different things will have decompose into forming this peat. Island peat will give you that kind of iodine style, similar to Lafroig, Ardbeg, Lagavulin. And it's because, and I'm sure I said this in a previous podcast, I know there's going to be a little bit of overlapping. 
the, uh, the, the seaweed basically decomposes it and it's the iodine within the seaweed that draws into the, the peat and that's what gives it that flavour. Uh, if you use highland peat, for example, which is obviously more inland kind of peat, uh, you get a lot more of a woody earth kind of flavour. And it's, it's, it's often a nice way to introduce people to peat if they don't want to go down the really heavy route. I mean, there's different levels of peating, as I said, but also highland peat tends not to be quite so intense. So what you're telling me is whiskey's walking a tightrope and we're all watching it. Sure, I don't know where you're going with that one, but I'm... Because gonna... it's a balancing act. You really got to rain in. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> no, but now, now your childhood souls. It is, it is as tight as it will get, to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, one of the big, big things I wanted to talk about, Pete, today is why this past million isn't the be-all and end-all. There's a really good example for this. So, two distilleries on the island of Isla. Lagavulin, Kalila. Now, you may be familiar with Lagavulin freckles for a certain reason. What would that reason be? Character, what fictional character's name, rather? And actually, I'm pretty sure the actor himself loves Lagavulin whiskey. Uh, Ron Swanson. Yeah. So, Lagavulin and Kalula, both owned by Diageo, biggest drinks company in the world, both on the same island, the island of Isla. They're both petered to 35 parts per million for the specification of the barley, which is petered and malted for them at Port Allen Maltings, which is also on the island of Isla. Okay. Starts off the same. However, distillery-wise, different stills, different shape stills, different styles of distilling. Lagavulin has those onion-style stills that we were talking about. Yep. So that bull cannoli stills are they're very very tall, but very very big stills, right? Lagavulin stills are very very big stills, um, but it is this kind of squat looking kind of onion shape with very very tight lid arms, so that, so the spirit vapor can escape very quickly and, and it's very sharp down downward turn. Also very importantly, Lagavulin they heat the stills fast, they heat the stills full. So the liquid's very high up in the still when they start heating it. Yeah, I understand what full is. <laughs> so it takes, it really does escape a lot. Um, and so Lagavulin gets a lot of impurities coming through. There's not that copper interaction, that reflux going on. Kalila's stills, also very, very tall, but it has a lot kind of lighter distillation goes on. And that gives Kalila this lovely, little bit of a floraliness, I always say, you can find with Kalila behind the peat. Um, certainly a citrusiness comes through with Kalila as well. You've got those two aspects. Then you've got maturation. Lagavulin is second fill sherry casks. Kalila is American oak casks matured. The sherry casks gives you that lovely richness. The American oak casks more kind of vanilla flavor, vanilla of flavors. So vanilla, vanilla. <laughs> so yes, thirty-five parts per million. Two very very different things. You then also have the fact that Lagavulin is sixteen-year-old versus twelve-year-old Kalila. Yes, the age makes a difference as well. But. That's one of the big, big aspects. You can also argue Lagavulin matured on the island, Kalila's matured on the mainland, so probably does play an effect as well. So what you're so, saying is variables make things different. Notable distilleries, notable distilleries in the islands. Obviously, as I said, you have the island of Isla. A lot of distilleries on Isla. Almost all of them do well. You have petered releases, but you also have unpetered releases. A lot of them tend to be heavily petered, but there's others as well. Boonhaven, and Brooklady, they both do a lightly petered version or an unpetered version, even for Brooklady's case. Highland peat. <laughs> I like to talk about Ben Romack and Ben Riak when I'm uh, talking about Speyside and Highland whiskies because 
Ben Romack's 10-year-old is uh, petered using Highland Peat. It's 12 parts per million, similar to Talisker I was mentioning, so it's that lightly petered level. Nice kind of woody earthiness, a little bit of a sea saltiness to Ben Romack, I always find, but more importantly, they have um, sherry casks as well, so you get a nice richness in a cereal note, whereas with Talisker, although you get the sea salt, uh, a little bit of iodine, you also get a lovely lot more richness. They use a lot more sherry casks. You get a note of cereal? Cereal, uh, cereal notes we covered is to the mob. Uh, uh, like when I say cereal biscuity notes, I almost mean like that digestive biscuits kind of style. Yeah, like, that would be quite. Wait, no, I don't like sugar. That was wild. I was like, that would be amazing, but I remember. I don't no, like I, sugar. I don't mean the sugary side. I mean the kind of cereally note. Sorry, I was just twisting. Uh, ben Romack, they also do a heavily pieced version, forty-seven parts per million as well. Uh, last time I tried one in way, the batches do change. Um, and so, yeah, you get the heavily side, but also it's a lot more... It tends to have a sweetness to the spirit, Ben Romack, as well. It's rather nice. They've been producing peaty whiskey for years, uh, long before actually that peat became as popular as it is today. And uh, not only do they use the 10-year-old peated whiskey called Curiositas, which is peated to 35 parts per million, uh, but they also do a 21-year-old heavily peated as well, which is quite a feat to get 21 years. So that's a lot of cask influence to balance off. And Curiositas is the most amazing word. It's like curiosity and gravitas I mixed together. I suppose you could say that, yeah. Um, the 21-year-old is called Temporis. Also a pretty cool name. Um, but yeah, it's even after 21 years, it is still a lovely peaty whiskey. And uh, a lot of that is down to, well, I mean, the casks that it was put down in, certainly under the time Billy Walker had it, but also I suspect some of it will probably have been Pernod Ricard's whiskey as well, because obviously over the ownership and the aging of the whiskies. Um, but the master blender at the, at the company now, Rachel Barry, who's very, very respected in the industry, I like the thought that they're like, hi, I'm Luke. I'm a master blender. Yeah, that's, it's a job. Yeah, I know, but he's just like, master blender. The I best just job title is... Um, Ferroeconologist. No. Uh, but yeah, you get master blenders and, and head distillers and master distillers and things like that. Basically, you can make up any old title if you want. Uh, so yeah, those two are very important kind of distillers to me. I really like the whiskeys, but also... Balvini do uh, Peat Week, which is named for the one week a year that they peat, you know, use peated barley. Edredora's Distillery, which we talked about in the last episode, and they their peaty whiskey is called Belechin. Okay, so now uh, we're going to go on to the tasting section of this episode. It's one of my favourite whiskies. It is. Let me do a smell because I'll be yep. five hours quicker than you. I beg, Ugadel. 54.2. It is strong. It's a cask strength whiskey, so no water's been added to this out of there. It's also heavily peated, which is what's giving you that smoky eye. I felt it in the back of my throat. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of alcohol there. There really is. Now, I beg the the stills actually have purifiers on them, which means that uh, the heavier spirit as it escapes down the linarm basically filters back in, it gets separated, and it goes back into the still for more distillation. So you're creating this lighter spirit as well. And that's why I really like Ardbeg, because although it's a heavily peated whiskey, uh, you still get a lot of other spirit flavour coming through there as well. It's not just all peat. For the first time in my life, I have a note that isn't, oh, smells like alcohol. Maybe dry pears. Maybe dry pears. 
favorite but not ones. good ones. Like if you pick them out, you'd be like, ooh, wait. Now, is and this, smells like alcohol. Is this that you've been using a dry pair of hand moisturizer? Oh yeah, no, I have. <laughs> I can kind of see where you, I mean, yeah, you got that leading questions kind of aspect to it, but like it has a fruitiness to it. Oogdell certainly does. I mean, yes, a lot of that is to do with the sherry cast and Ardbeg has a little bit of a, a citrusiness, a, a little lime kind of side to it. Ardbeg okay, stick to one glass. Going off in your spiel of what everything smells yeah. like. So, no, I mean, dry pears, I, I can see why you're getting that, yeah. Yeah, I got it once and then it disappeared from my life. Well, so I could just be thinking about fruit. It's, I mean, talking about the legs as we should do. Technically, it, they're, they're wide apart. They're slow moving. Uh, lovely dark amber colour to because a lot of sherry cask goes into Rubidale. It's great. What? It doesn't smell like sherry. I like the it sherry one. It have to smell like sherry. When you use sherry casks, it will give you a rich fruitcakey flavour. I would argue, however, if you were to smell... You don't like fruitcake. I hate fruitcake. We covered this in the pre- in a previous episode, actually. Smell that. It smells, um... That's sherry. <laughs> like that's, you just forgot what that smells That smells like, like something. <laughs> smells like sherry. Yep. Entirely different. Comparisons? I mean, there is a different sherry to what the sherry casks use. Don't you dare pour that into that whiskey. <laughs> that's Pedro Jimenez sherry. That's not a strong sm- sherry smell. No. It's, it's a nice, rich kind of sherry, though, Pedro Jimenez. It's rich and sweet. It's, it's Love wonderful. a good bit of sherry, me. I haven't had it in a while. You can't really get shots of sherry in a club. <laughs> That'd be, like, the best club ever, though. Terrible. <laughs> Sorry. Oogadel. Oogadel. Lovely, rich, peaty, iodine smoky, medicinal. Sea saltiness, certainly, to, uh, to Hardbeg's whiskey. And, yeah, it's not everyone's favourite drink. Certainly not what I'd recommend to people from the beginning. I mean, I tried Ardbeg whiskey, I tried peaty whiskey when I first started drinking whiskey, I tried unpeated, heavily peated, and I enjoyed it from the beginning. Some people do, but also it can be a drink that you either hate altogether, or sometimes it's an acquired taste that you build yourself up to. Uh, so yeah, that's peat in general. Well, it looks like you've reached the end of the episode. Congratulations, and I'm proud of you. I'm also at the end of the episode, so well done to me as well. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and leave your review, suggest it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Mention other people, tell them like, hey, do you like whiskey? Because, boy golly, do I have a podcast for you. One of them knows about whiskey, the other one, mm -mm, nope, not at all. So, you know, it helps shows doing other things. Uh, Email Jordan by going to the website in the description. So you can get any answers for any small queries or questions or just be like, so socks. I hear they're real. Please don't give me emails about socks. <laughs> I'm, gonna, real. I'm going to. I'm going to. They're real. Okay. I'm looking at two right now. <laughs> or are they? The plot thickens. So anyway, um, finally, I'll leave you with this one editing goof. Farewell. Goodbye. Peat is, like you say, it's decomposing plant matter basically, and that takes time to form because obviously the layers have got to kind of compact and, and things, and that's where your peat bogs come in. Mm, and then it turns into a pearl. No. No, there's no peat pearls. Can you get peat diamond if it's young coal and coal is diamond? <gasps> no. Whiskey's diamonds. It's liquid diamonds, folks.